to Lorraine to come read her scripture passage. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. We're going to read from Hebrews 11 this morning, and the chapter is entitled By Faith. By faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man, when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city, with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father, because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, became descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, 
blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as in dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put into prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, they would be made perfect. This is the word of God. Thank you. Today I'd like to talk about faith. It's a, a word we, we sometimes hear bandied about, and I suppose in life we, we maybe meet people in the street who say, I don't really have a faith. You've got a faith and that's fine for you. But I don't really have a faith. But I want to suggest today that everybody lives by faith in some way. It just, ma- just maybe not in the same things. The blind person who 
has a carefully instructed dog there in front of them, is able to cross a street with busy traffic and would put full faith in that particular animal to look after them cross that street even though they can't see themselves where they're going. We've got faith in simple things, day-to-day things, like a car. Uh, We've got faith that when we put our keys in the ignition and turn it round, that miraculously the thing's going to start. Or maybe we do need great faith for that, if you're anything like me and you've had car trouble. Uh, But we've got faith in the manufacturer of that particular car. We don't know anything about how to make cars. We don't know how they work. We haven't met the manufacturer, but we trust that that when we turn that ignition, that car's going to start, and it's going to take us from A to B. We've got faith in all this newfangled technology, and as somebody who works with it, I don't even understand it, half of it. (laughs) Uh, There's faith, uh, you know, you you pick up your mobile phone and all these wonderful things that it can do, including the basic phone somebody, but even in that, do we really understand? don't have a clue how that works. We can't see the signals flying through the ears. But we know when we pick up this remote wireless device that we can contact somebody from the middle of nowhere and phone them onto another wireless device somewhere, bouncing off during those what transmitters. We've got faith that that'll work. And if it doesn't work, we're surprised. Yet we've no clue about what's happening and we can't see any of that. So we trust the creators of cars, of physical things. We trust them. We trust the creator of mobile phones and modern technologies we actually have faith in a lot of things in this earth but the most sophisticated the most complicated creation in the whole world is you and I the most sophisticated complicated, miraculous creation is a human being isn't it? scientists look into it but scientists can't even come close to explaining the miracle of the human body I know Lorraine's been studying things and pages and pages of uh, anatomy and different things. It's a miraculous thing. I don't know too much about it. Others would know more as you would study these things. But is the human body not a miracle? An absolute scientist would even point to it as being a miracle. I remember when Nicola was pregnant, I think it was the last time, we spoke to one of the doctors. (laughs) The last time, yeah. Yeah. As if it's a... This will be the last thing. Yeah? Yeah. I thought that was the last time. Taxi for Adams. Uh, yeah, we, we, went, we went in to see a doctor. We went in to see a doctor, and the doctor said, who I would believe wouldn't, probably wasn't a Christian, and he said to us, you know, we still, with all of our modern science, we cannot figure out the miracle of what happens in pregnancy and we can't explain to you what's happening we just observe these things isn't that encouraging so there's, a, there's, a, there's somebody who works day to day with the human body who's telling us this body's been created by somebody because I can't understand it otherwise can we honestly believe that if the same principle we use logic in life don't we You know, people who don't have faith say I'm logical captain you know, Spock. But, I'm log- but if we follow the same logic as we place in everything else, from that seat that Joe's sitting on there, that we trust is going to not fall over, to the car that we start, to the, all of these things that point to somebody creating them, would we not say that something that's far more miraculous and far more wonderful like the human body must have a most wonderful creator? That's just the human body. 
The most wonderful creation on the earth. What about the, the creation of the whole universe? To which man's eyes can't even see it all. We can only see but a part of it, of the immense universe. So we've all actually got faith in somebody. So if you're ever speaking to somebody that says, you're, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't really have a faith. Well, you've got faith in something, but there's a more important question than this. Do we have faith in God? Because if it is true, as I'm suggesting strongly by the word of God, it is true that we are created beings. Do we have faith in our creator? Do we have faith in our creator God? Do we believe in him? We can't see him, but we must believe that he's true. Look at the evidence. Look at his creation. Look at us. Look at this world. Look at the universe. We might not be able to see our creator, but surely we can see that he must exist. This is what faith is. Faith stretched beyond what you can see to something that you can't see. And God speaks to us through things like his creation, like the wonder of our own bodies, to show forth that he is alive, that he is real. So today's message is about faith and it's called, It's Time to Believe God. It's time to believe God. The writer to the the Hebrews here is encouraging new believers in Jesus. He's encouraging them not to turn back from their faith. Because there's a temptation to do that as a believer in Jesus. There's a temptation to turn back from the things which we trusted in at first. In fact, there's a strong theme, if you read through the whole book of Hebrews, where the writer is saying, don't turn back from your faith. Don't turn back from what you believe in, in God. If we look immediately before and immediately after Hebrews chapter 11, we see this theme very clearly. At the end of chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, verse 35, it says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Notice there's a condition there that we've got to obey the will of God. There's a response required. 37, for in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. So there were those in the church fellowship who were shrinking back. Whatever had happened in their lives, we don't know. But they were shrinking back, turning back from their faith in Christ. And he's saying, don't do that. God will not be pleased with us for doing that. You need to keep moving on. You need to keep trusting God. You need to keep your faith. They were encouraged to press on their faith. Look at the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1. And you can see how this ties into what Lorraine read to us there. The whole list of people from chapter 11. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Are there any of us today that would feel as if we're growing weary in our faith, losing heart? Our instruction is look to Jesus. Fix your eye on him. 
We're told how to direct our faith. <clears throat> We're told how to direct our faith. Look at Jesus. Forget what's behind. Throw off the things that are hindering us. Don't turn back. You know the, the old hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Can I suggest something to you? And this is, I really would feel the Lord would challenge myself and all, us, all of us with us. We can be turning back and still be sitting in church. We could have turned back from our faith and we're still sitting in the church service. We're still singing the songs. We're still nodding the head. We're still serving the Lord even. Still doing things. But we may have totally turned back from our faith. That's a very big challenge, isn't it? And I would just encourage us all, as I'm doing with myself, to look in to your own life today. Ask the Lord, what would he say to you about your own faith? What would he say to you about your own faith? Would he be pleased with you and I going on in our faith? Or would he feel as if I called you to something and you've turned back? So that's the context in which we turn to chapter 11. I'm not going to go into incredible detail on there, but there are some things to point out. And I would emphasize, please apply this to yourself today as I'll apply it to me. And let's ask God what he would be challenging us about in our own particular walk with the Lord. <clears throat> we see, first of all, a description of faith in verse 1, chapter 11. It's actually very, very good. You often hear this quoted as a, a good description of what faith is all about. Generic faith, but of course, here we're applying it to faith in God. It says, first of all, that faith is being sure of what we hope for. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Well, what do we hope for? Well, God has promised things to us as believers in Jesus. God has said he'll give us a hope and a future if we trust in him. Amen? Not only for this life, a good plan to prosper us and not to harm us, but also for the life to come. I have prepared a place for you, he said. Are we sure of that? If we're having faith, if we're strong in our faith, we'll be sure of these things. We'll be sure that when God says, I am with you, he's with you. When God says, you shall receive power when you receive my Holy Spirit, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And as a believer in Jesus, you will have the power to live this new life. When he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and I'll be with you always, he'll keep that promise. Because God's faithful. And God always keeps his promises. So faith, firstly there, is being sure of what we hope for. And surely, brothers and sisters, we've got a lot to be hopeful about here. The Lord says, I am with you. What more do we need? You know, the, the, the world, if we look at, if we look at circumstances, <clears throat> we'll be looking at the wrong things. Because second part of this is, faith is not only being sure of what we hope for, it's being certain of what we do not see. So think about what you see with your eyes. What do you see? If I was to ask you, what do you see in your life at the moment? What would you say? I don't have a job. What would you say? Money's short. What else would you say? Family situation isn't great. What else would you say? I've messed up. I've made so many mistakes. I don't know if I can get back in the race again. I've got these illnesses. These things that are coming against me. People have hurt me. And I can't go over it. <clears throat> Every try, uh, time I try and do something good, bad things happen. I'm feeling depressed. 
I don't feel right. I feel sad. It's that I'm honestly, I believe the Lord would speak strongly on this. If you identify with any of these statements, as I would identify with some of them, I want us to believe that God's going to lift it from us today. Believe God that He will lift that from you today. Because we don't look at what is seen. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. And God has promised to lift the burdens of believers. He's promised to never leave us. He says, do not, he says, in this world you will have trouble. We're not promised that everything's going to go well, folks. We're not promised that. But we are promised that Christ has overcome the world. Amen. Amen. So if we might not have a job, we might not have the money, we might not have the good family situation, things might not be going well, the house might not be right, kids might not be right, but our Lord is right. And our Lord is right there. Amen. And he doesn't want, and see when we look at this list of people, reflect on it, read it when you go home. How many times are we seeing listed there in that passage people who faced impossible circumstances? Totally impossible. Everything was against them. No possessions. Look at Jesus himself. No place to lay his head. Possessions, none. Scorned, rejected by men. Yet he's the saviour of the world, folks. He's the name above every other name. On heaven and earth. What did it say there? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame. And do you know what the joy set before him was? He went through all of this. He didn't look at the circumstances. He believed in what was the unseen, which was the spiritual world in which we are sinners and we need a saviour. And he went through that. He's our, he's our example. And he said to his disciples, and he says to us, brothers and sisters today, you will have trouble in this world. You will guaranteed have trouble. But take heart. Do not give up. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up for Jesus. So faith has been sure of what we hope for and we have so much to be hopeful for as believers in Jesus. And secondly, faith is being certain of what we do not see. Don't look at the circumstances. Look to God who is unseen but more than able to handle everything that would come our way. The writer then looks back in history there to the creation of the world. He says something visible is made out of the invisible. So the very creation of the world, as I was saying earlier on, is a miracle. Something which is now visible, a wonderful, miraculous creation, came out of nothing. So maybe we look at our circumstances and we, we say today, there's nothing there. There's no hope. It's dead. Is it? It's not dead. God formed the world out of nothing. And if you think you're sitting with nothing just now, you're not sitting with nothing. You're sitting with everything. If you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have everything available to you in Christ. Amen? Everything's available. The creator of the world is within you with a good plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you. What else do we need? We don't need the world to give us good things. God has good things for us. So don't equate. See if we have problems in life, don't blame God. It's okay to question God. But don't just assume that God's to blame. Because he didn't promise us that we wouldn't have trouble. He actually said we will have trouble. But he's asking us to draw on our faith. These men and women of faith, they had trouble. Lots of it. But they learned how to trust God. With all their heart and soul and mind. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
So we have a description of faith and how it would just help us understand being sure of what we hope for, certain of things unseen, not looking necessarily to the things which are in front of us with our natural eyes. So we've got a definition of faith and secondly, we've got a demonstration of faith. And he goes into that long list there. I'm going to read it briefly because I think the word of God would just speak directly to us today. I'm not going to say too much, but I want us to think about the different circumstances we're reading about here impossible situations where people had faith in God and God did miracles impossible situations and God, when they trusted in God he worked a miracle and I want us to think about our own life and think of applying that today to to our own situation verse 4 by faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Remember the scripture said, for without faith it's impossible to please God. It's not by our... Uh, good works that we, we please God although good works come through faith as it says in James but it's faith and trust in God that pleases him because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him here's one by faith Noah verse 7 when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear built an ark to save his family I'll just pause there remember faith is being certain of things unseen. There's Noah there, in the middle of a world where uh, rain wasn't the most common thing. Nevertheless, a flood on top of the whole world. Yet there's a man who, though he couldn't see any logic with his natural eyes to what God has said to him, there's going to be a flood. Noah simply believed God that his word. That if God said it, it must be true. If God says he's sending a flood, then he is. Even if it seems impossible. So again, our circumstances, maybe God said something to us. You're going to do this, you have this particular gift, you should be using it. And you say, God, I don't see anything there. I've tried that before. We simply need to, like Noah, trust God at his word. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, the world would say this man's mad. Because the world would say, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a strategy. And if you don't know exactly what you're doing, then you're, you're some kind of numpty, as they would say in Scotland. But you know, men and women of faith trust God on a step-by-step basis. God chooses very, very often to take us step-by-step and not show us the whole picture. He shows us what hap- what's happening today. And he says, see today, Chris, do this, do this. And you take a step. I remember talking to, to Cathy before when the vision was here for, for Moody's Burn and I worked there. Seemed totally impossible, seemed so far away from reality. But God was speaking strongly through the likes of that song we sang earlier. Step by step, you lead me and I will follow you all of my days. And if you look through the history, both Old and New Testament of the church, what do you find? You find Christians who don't have it all worked out. Believers who don't have it all worked out, but who trust that God does. God has the plan. God has a specific plan for us individually. And he's got a church plan. And he's got a plan for the world. 
But we need to take the step of faith without having to work out everything in our head. If God says do it, if God says do this, do it. That's what Abraham did. God blessed him for it. Verse 9. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Maybe you've been moved into a different area and you're thinking, I'm a stranger in a foreign country. Well, you are where you are at the moment. And you would trust God that he would have a plan for you. And here's the thing. Seek God. Ask him. Pray to him. Ask him for guidance about these things. Verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. That God had promised to bless Abraham. That there was something coming for him. There was an inheritance coming. Abraham believed God's words. Stepped out in faith. And looked forward to something that he couldn't see. But he said, I'm going to trust you God for that. He believed God's promise. By faith, Abraham, verse 11, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand in the seashore. If Abraham and Sarah had went to the doctors of their day, they would have said, you cannot have a child. It is totally and utterly impossible. Because physically, you're not able. Either of you. And the scriptures tells us that. But God said, you will have a child. Trust me. I'll make something out of nothing. I'll make something out of something that is nothing. It's a miracle, isn't it? These are massive things. Massive miracles that have happened. Abraham and Sarah had faith in God. And God responds to faith like that. And that's when miracles happen. Amen? We put our faith, it's a simple faith, a trust, take God at his word. He responds with miracles. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So in that circumstance there, God said, I will give you a son, as we mentioned earlier on, and Isaac came, just as God promised. He also said, I'll bless you through Isaac, and there'll be many descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky. God doesn't change his promises. And also, here's the thing, Abraham knew God well enough to know that God's a good God. God's a God of justice. So he figured out in his head that even if, so to speak, he would have had to have sacrificed his son, that God would work a miracle and bring him back again. But God didn't do that. God provided the sacrifice. Remember the story? God provided the sacrifice. There's, a, there's God's heart for you. He tested Abraham's faith. And when Abraham showed faith, he provided the sacrifice for him. To cover the sins, to, to prepare the way for the right relationship. And that all of this, all of these Old Testament People that we, we read about were looking forward to a, an even greater promise. These were all images like what happened with Abraham and Isaac there, with the sacrifice being provided. The promised Messiah was coming. The promised Saviour of the world was coming to pay the price and to be a sacrifice in our place on the cross at Calvary. Just one more example there. If we move to verse 20, 27, we're talking about Moses. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So the people were under slavery. 
and they're under a strong king. Maybe there's people, there's organisations or people or situations that are oppressing you, that are seen. But if we trust in God, who is unseen, he will deliver us. He will help us, he will be our strength. Moses was certain of things unseen. By faith he kept the Passover, verse 28, and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to, they were drowned. Now, the people came out, they trusted God to come out, and they immediately hit a big obstacle, the Red Sea, right in front of them. But God had promised that with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, he would deliver his people. So maybe as believers today, we've been trusting God, we've put our faith in him, we've hit an obstacle. What's God promised for you? He's promised, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I have overcome the world. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you. See that mighty hand and that outstretched arm? It was unseen, but it was there. And as Moses held up the staff of God, as he was told to do, God moved his mighty hand and his outstretched arm that was unseen, and he parted the waters. That's impossible, isn't it? Impossible with men, possible with God. These are facts. Nothing's too difficult for the Creator. He made the world, he can part the waters. No problem. God had promised to deliver them from the Egyptians, and he did. He kept his word. He promises to deliver us from our enemy when we trust in him, our enemy Satan, who goes about like a roaring lion, by the way, seeking to find Christians and to encourage them to struggle in their faith. But I I once heard it said that, you know, he goes about like a roaring lion with his teeth out. He makes a lot of noise, and if he can, he will distract us and cower us into a wee corner, shrink back, so that we shrink back out the road. But he can't take away our salvation, folks. And he can't really hurt us in any spiritual sense in that when we trust in Jesus as our saviour, we're always saved. And nobody can snatch us out of his hands. All the way, my saviour leads me. What have I to ask beside? But the enemy can push us into that corner. Is that where we are today? Fearful, disappointed, depressed, hurt, hopeless. God has a mighty hand. And an outstretched arm to deliver you, to take you forward, to take you and I forward. Verse 30. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. I love that story. That is the most impossible situation ever. The wall, the great mighty walls of Jericho. And God says, walk round it seven times, says that in Joshua 6. Verse 1 it says, Jericho was tightly shut up. It was a fortress. We're just talking about some small wall here. It's a fortress. But God says, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and the fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams, horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. This is the God whom we worship. This was an impossible situation. But Joshua and the people had faith in their mighty God. And they demonstrated their faith. They didn't just have that faith. They demonstrated it. They started walking. I walk by faith. Each step by faith. To live by faith. 
I'll put my trust in you. They didn't just have the faith. Unseen. Where was the hand that was going to take that wall down? It was God's hand. They couldn't see it, but they believed it was there. So maybe we're saying today, there's, there's walls up. I feel like there's walls around about me. I feel like there's walls in front of me. I feel like just can't make it forward. God would challenge us today. I believe with all my heart, he would challenge us. See that thing that you think so big? See that thing you think such a big wall? You think you can't get out of? I can smash it down. No problem. If you just trust me. If you just put all of your faith in me. And if you just simply say, God, I don't know what's going to happen up front. But I'm giving my total faith to you. And you said trust in you and I'm walking. And I can promise you because it's in the word of God. That when you do that, the walls are coming down. The things that the enemy has put round about you. The things that have been discouraging. The things that even your own failures have contributed to. Come down. And you'll have a clear path to walk through. Do you believe that? Do I believe that today? There were 14 men men and 2 women in that list specifically named. But this is not a complete list. These are examples to us to encourage us in our faith today. Remember too, these were ordinary people. Not superheroes. Ordinary men and women who trusted in an extraordinary God. We sing the, the song, An Army of Ordinary People. And that's often how I identify this church here as well. An army of ordinary people trusting in an extraordinary God. Remember that this list of names, these people were prone to be weak, prone to failure, just like you and I. Ordinary men and women, just like us. So there's absolutely no excuse for us to look at this passage and say that was just for them. That these things that happened, these miracles and God working in such a wonderful way is only because they were superheroes. Well, they're not. Ordinary people who had faith in God. And then when we have faith in God, miracles will definitely happen. Now it's important to remember that in all of what we talked about there, the people had not fully received the promise. So they trusted in God. They had a, a sacrificial system. They had all of these things in the Old Testament. There were pictures of what was coming. And what was, they knew what was coming. It was Jesus. And we read there just at the end in verse 39 and 40 of the passage in Hebrews 11 that God had planned something better for us. And they knew that. They could see the day. They didn't experience it in their lifetime. But here's the thing. We are living in a time now after the point when Jesus Christ came to pay the price for the sins of the world. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? We need to confess that he's God. We need to ask him to forgive our sins. We welcome him into our lives. We believe that he not only died, but he rose again from the dead and that he's alive today. And that he's coming back again. Because he's promised he's coming back again. If you haven't taken that first step of faith, can I encourage you to do that? Because we don't know what's happening tomorrow. We heard this week of a tragic death of somebody who was only 48 years old who had everything in the world from a natural sense. But spiritually speaking, we don't know where she would have stood in the point of Houston I'm talking about. But I heard a story that she, she worshipped when she was young. She was brought up in the church. She sang in the choir. They, they went back to her church for the funeral, the one that she was brought up in. The only thing that we can take with us when we die is Jesus. And when we take Jesus with us, we trust in Jesus, we go through to the other side. And we meet all of whom have ever trusted in Jesus. And we join the choir. And I would hope that that lady would have trusted in Jesus. But maybe it just makes us think about it. Our family and our friends and ourselves. What are we doing with Jesus? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
the only thing we can take with us when we die is Jesus. Maybe you've trusted Jesus, but like the, the people that the writer's speaking to there in Hebrews, we're in real danger of shrinking back, of going back from what God's called us to, maybe backslidden, maybe others don't know. As I said before, even we can attend church and we can even in the outward look alright, but on the inside we know that we're backslidden. So I would just say, what is God saying to us today? Because he doesn't want it to be that way. He doesn't want us to stay that way. There is absolutely no need at all for anybody in this room to be like that. Maybe we've lost our faith because of difficult circumstances, because of discouraging situations or people. But remember that God is still faithful. He's never changed. And he's faithful to keep every single one of his promises to you. But we've got a personal responsibility to him. To put our faith in him. To trust in him. Maybe the future just looks bad to you today. You look forward and there's no hope in sight. I believe that God would challenge us all. Whether we're coming to Jesus for the first time or whether we've known him as our saviour for years. We've not to base our faith on what is seen with our eyes. We've to base our faith on what is unseen and promised by our mighty God. Let's pray. 